0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Life Stories, Building a Private Practice. I'm joined today by the amazing Rebecca Wong. She's an LCSW in New York and the founder of Connectfulness. Welcome. Thanks, Kelly. Why don't you share a little bit about where you, what kind of practice you have right now and a little bit about Connectfulness so people can know about you.
1: Sure. So um, I'm a relationship therapist based in New York's Hudson Valley, and I work mostly with parenting couples um, and kind of help them figure out how to make life a little bit easier and more playful, Mm -hmm. Um, how to reconnect with themselves, with each other, and with their kids. Um, And I keep a pretty small practice intentionally so that I could do a lot of other projects because my brain is a little creative and I go in too many different directions. Mm -hmm. And if I saw too many clients, I wouldn't be able to do all that. So um, Connectfulness is kind of my baby, um, and I'm growing it into a community-sourced resource, um, kind of like an online magazine for um, people who want to live more connectful lives, more inspired, creative, um, playful, meaningful, intimate lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So how long have you been in practice?
1: Um over a decade. I'm not
0: counting anymore. That's okay. (laughs) That's good. I I feel about my age. I'm not counting anymore. So (laughs) but why practice? I mean, why this why this route?
1: Why this route? Um you know, it's it's all really organic. I started off working in oncology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, no. I started off in film and photography and visual arts. Then I went into experiential education. Then I went back to school and got my master's degree in social work and mm-hmm. started working in oncology. Um, and I worked in oncology for a long time, <laughs> really long time. Um, worked at many of the big uh, names like Sloan Kettering and Cancer Care, Cancer Institute Student New Jersey. Um, and I While I was there, I started to do sex and relationship therapy. I got postgraduate training in sex and relationship therapy because it was such a big piece Mm. of what my patients and clients and families were dealing with, the intimate relationships in their lives. Um, And so that just kind of naturally... Found its way into my private practice when I opened up my private practice around the time that I had my children and was growing my own family and studying more about postpartum mood disorders as well. And so the intimate lives of people, relationships, and families, and parenting, that became my focus.
0: So give me a snapshot of yeah. what your practice looked like when you started it, okay. <laughs> Like like, like the model you had, Mm -hmm. like how it worked versus how it works now.
1: Oh my gosh. I've been through so many different.
0: Yes. Good. So
1: many different. Okay. So when I first started, I saw about two clients a week and I rented an office for $10 an hour from (laughs) some local established um, uh, psychologist Mm -hmm. and it worked out wonderfully you know, $10 a week, $10 an hour. So, um, that was super fun, but it didn't really sustain and it didn't really last. And it was only about two clients a week. And so then I moved into a yoga studio and I, again, was renting by the hour. I wasn't like committed to much, um, but I was seeing like five to eight clients and, um, it was slowly growing, but I was like using these like flexible chairs and kind of all over the place. And I also went into a mother baby boutique. And again, it was like really flexible. The room I was using was being used by a masseuse. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was really distracted in my spaces and I found that that was really impacting my practice and my ability to be focused. Um, so I, Talked to a colleague and at the same yoga, yoga studio that I was at, we took over a room and we shared it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cheap. It was, I think like $400 a month and we were splitting it. So it was like 200. Wow! Um, <laughs> nice. and it was nice. It worked really well. We decorated it with sound objects from our home and um, it had no windows. And when the yoga studio got super hot, so did our office. <laughs> So, because <laughs> we also didn't have thermostat control.
0: Can I just say that, <laughs> so when we wrote the office checklist, like how to find an office, I always put on there, like, do you have control over your thermostat? Because you in my, realize how big that no, is until you are in, in it. Exactly. <laughs> in my, it got off at five. And I, like, had all these, like, contractions of fans and, like, and the windows didn't open. They were kinda like the wall windows, you know? know? Oh my gosh. I was like I You guys need to figure out your thermostat wherever yeah. you go. Okay. So Thermostat
1: is a really big deal. And <laughs> windows are too. So so this office that I was in had no windows and no thermostat control. And <laughs> and the thermostat was being controlled by the yoga studio that liked to get really hot. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I, I somehow lasted there for about two years and wow. yeah, I went on insurance panels and um I hired a billing company to help me with all that stuff and it cost me a ton um and I moved into I got really really busy and I moved into the office I'm in right now mm-hmm. and it's about 100 square feet <laughs> and um it up my rent, but I took it on full time by myself and my practice grew and I contacted you and Miranda and I joined business school boot camp. and I left insurance and went to the most awesome conference and came <laughs> back and raised my rates <laughs> uh-huh. um, and went through some client attrition and got my caseload back down to a more manageable level yeah. and I'm moving offices again next month. To a space that 's about five four or five times the size of my current space and um, will let me do more workshops and events in
0: my space let 's talk about the insurance piece a little bit yeah <laughs> okay because I you know that I feel it just depends on you and your goals and your plans and yep. necess- not necessarily is more clients better that 's not what we're working it's what it at. fits. Yeah. It's
1: what fits for each individual clinician and your caseload.
0: So how did you determine insurance fit for you at that time?
1: I looked at the rates I was getting
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the amount of clients I had to see to make my bottom line mm-hmm. and how much energy that took for me and just how burnt out I was feeling. Mm-hmm. and At the same time, I was getting clients fee-for-service who weren't in the networks that I was in, who were paying my full rate, and the work felt different, both for me and for my clients. Um, And I started to slowly realize I could have a practice that feels really different and not be so burnt out and not have to see as many clients and be able to give the clients I am seeing something different.
0: Let's talk about how the work was different because I think you're one of the first people to talk about that on this part of the vlog. How? What is that clinical impact piece of when it was a private pay versus an insurance?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I've had insurance clients who don't even have co-pays. Mm-hmm. And I have insurance clients who have co-pays. Right. And it's not it's not so much about what I earn from the sessions. It's way more about the movement that happens clinically in the sessions. And I have found that when people are paying out of pocket, their investment in the work and in like the takeaways and in paying attention to the things we talk about it's integrated on a deeper level. They yeah. feel responsible for their investment.
0: Yeah. I remember, you know, every transaction in the room is part of the work, yeah. even if it's scheduling the appointment. Like how yeah. that's all done, it's all grist for the mills. Yeah. Say. So even this aspect of investing financially into our emotional health and stuff, it's got to have an impact. Yeah, so Having moved out of insurance and into cash pay, are you making less or no?
1: No, I'm working less, but I'm
0: not making less. Mm hmm. Yeah. Was that scary to do it?
1: It's, it's, it is, it's still scary because I think now that the place where I get scared is, um, so I work with a lot of couples who are on the brink and they don't totally know if they're staying together or not. Um, and, so, it's really natural and normal in my work that they're going to decide not to be together and they're going to leave therapy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and every time they leave, I go through these pangs of, oh, what am I doing wrong? I can't keep them in, you know? But right. it, that's, not, that's not the clinical piece. Right. Um, and yet, it's the stuff that triggers me. And, you know, I, I have a smaller caseload now, so I feel the impact of one client leaving in a mm-hmm. different way than I used to feel it how do you deal with that? Um, More marketing. (laughs) You know, I find that that same anxiety is my best marketing tool. It's the stuff that helps me get my message out and um, do more work to make sure that people see me or motivates me to do something like take discernment counseling training and network with local divorce lawyers because Mm
0: -hmm. those are the clients that are finding me anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, in your journey, what's been uh, some of the lessons that you like if you're talking to someone who's starting yeah like that you wanna you want them to know like you got <laughs> to know this before you start um I think it's
1: that there's this is like a whole it there's a whole journey here that you're not taught in school mm-hmm. um, and it's It's very much a journey into what marketing is and what,
0: um,
1: well, it's more about relationships. It's like taking everything that you know that you do anyway, when you're sitting face to face with a client and applying that to marketing, Mm -hmm. right? Like how can you go out and network and meet people? Like every engagement you have with every person you come across is an opportunity to connect and for people to remember who you are,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and, um, like now I go to yoga class and people and my, my instructor's talking about some kind of breathing thing and how it's part of a relationship. And then they look at me and they're like, right, Rebecca, any relationship. And so now I'm in yoga class and people are referring to me as a relationship expert.
0: <laughs> I like it. I'm like I'm just trying to hold this. Pose, people. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, that's, when you can let fear be there but not drive the cars like Elizabeth Gilbert says, you know, and, and understand that as a therapist you have skills that other marketers don't. It's an advantage.
1: It is. And I think, you know, as a therapist, we, we know pretty well how to sit and contain. Mm-hmm right? And so when our fear hops in, how can we flip that switch too and go back into that container mode? Like, okay, so here's the fear. I can see it. I can process it. I can see what it's about. How is it information? Like, how can I turn this into something that can work for me?
0: All right. Well, let's switch it up a little bit. I want to talk about the aspect of you that I do love, which is your creativity. You've Mm -hmm. always got like a ton of ideas. Too many. (laughs) And I think, I think there are people that come into practice and like, they love just individual work and that's good. And then there's others of us that are like, I like that and I like this and I like this. And what about this idea? And how could it, you know, how do you balance so that you stay focused and you, you maintain your income while you explore other options like what has that been like for you
1: um it's been a journey and (laughs) I have um made my share of mistakes which have informed how I do things and how I will continue to do things moving forward um because I have let my income drop a little bit at times when Mm -hmm. I've lost focus and that's just it I mean that's another you know going back to the anxiety and being a motivator um because it's so easy to get wrapped up in these creative projects that you're just dreaming about and you want to manifest them and you want to make them into something and then they're not paying the bills, at least not yet. Um, So for me, something that I've found that works really well is collaborating Mm -hmm. because it keeps me more focused and accountable. And it also means that I don't have to do 100% of the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like co-collaborating where things are mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, I have a retreat that I'm planning. I think we're planning it for August. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a four-day couples retreat, and I'm collaborating with a couples yoga instructor. So we are going to be putting this together mutually and creating all the content and the copy, and there's, there's funnels creating that are being created around this. So mm-hmm. it's
0: fun, and I don't have to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out, though, that you're collaborating with someone that has something that you don't have. Yeah. I think that that's really important because it's really easy to go and collaborate with your friends <laughs> and all sorts of things, mm-hmm. but if there's not a clear plan as to why you need that other person mm-hmm. and why they need you and how it's going to generate income. Then it's those are some flags to pay attention to that while it's fun, is this what you need to be doing right now? Right, kind of like relationship R&R, which was
1: super fun. Robin and I collaborated on this beautiful webinar stuff. It was so much fun. We did some great list building from it, um, but it didn't generate income in a direct way for either of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we took that as an investment of, like an educational investment.
0: Yes, totally. You know,
1: and it really made sense in that
0: capacity. Yeah. Oh, everything's an educational investment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have many educational investments. I probably am involved in a few right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in learning of the like marketing and your journey with this, because I've seen you yeah. explode over the time I've known you from kind of traditional marketing to doing blabs and podcasts and Periscope, you know, all sorts of different things. What have you found that is stuff that you love?
1: I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I think for me, putting my voice, like I I have all these ideas and I'm really creative, but putting my voice out there and (sighs) I think the webinars are the easiest for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm actually just talking to a colleague and I'm, I'm having an engagement, I'm not overthinking it. It's, it's on the spot and it's happening and so it flows and it's really easy. I'm thinking about exploring podcasting for a similar reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some vlogs and I find that, that there's just so much insecurity that comes up in me around doing them. Um, they're not really my thing. I have been writing a lot and I love writing, but I always feel like I write too much. Um, I have a hard time getting it into something small. So I think something live is really my best thing. That's Mm -hmm. also collaborative. Right. Um, That's where I feel like I do the best.
0: But here's the thing. is like I've seen you do a lot. Yeah. And sometimes you have to try to figure it out, you know, to get to that place, you know. So I think it's good that you just keep trying until you settle in on something, you know.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling it's probably going to end up being podcasting for me, but I also am really intimidated about learning all the technology, so Mm -hmm. I'm taking my time to dive in.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) I understand that. Mm -hmm. So what do you see coming up for you and Connectfulness and all of that?
1: So I have a small little Facebook tribe of clinicians that are – like sharing some amazing ideas and really all being super intimate just about our own journeys, about being clinicians and therapists and where we struggle both with marketing and getting our messages out and what we want our messages to be. And I'm growing that really slowly. And um, I'm also looking to build connectfulness into this, this, this thing i i don't know even what to call it yet but it's this thing where this tribe is contributing to the content and mm-hmm. it also promotes the events and and each member of the tribe as their own practice and it is this this living breathing kind of connectful thing that is available for both the tribe members the clinicians but also for all of the the people that are interested in the content that we're producing. So that is my current project and that's what I'm trying to grow. And I'm looking to separate my individual practice from my current website again, because I know I started with two and we merged
0: them and now I'm separating. them. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. What is that that like to come full circle? Um,
1: it's perfect. It's perfect
0: because,
1: um, I only had so much energy. I know you and Miranda used to talk to me about, you know, you can only ride one horse. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think one, I'm not looking to build my individual practice site into something ginormous. I live in a really small town. I don't want to have a lot of clients. Like I know what I want, but I just want it to
0: sustain to be like
1: my business card. Yeah, You know, I, I don't even know if I want my blog to be there. I think I want to keep my blog over at Connectfulness. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like I need to have it because I don't feel like it can live on connectfulness anymore. So, um, and it needs to be a little bit more fleshed out. It needs to really talk about what my specialties are and kind of be a little bit more of me. Mm-hmm. So, so that's in process. And I couldn't have done that from the start. I had to learn as I went. And it all had to be really organic, because this stuff changes all the time.
0: It does. Yeah. We're talking to, we were talking to someone earlier today, both Miranda and I, about, like, how we can get really attached to stuff we've created. Yeah. And then it's time Six to months change. later. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like I gotta let it go. But I worked so hard for this and this aesthetic and those kinds of things and but that's all part of it. So I love I love your attitude about it of like it's perfect. This is happening perfectly the way it needs to. Yeah. Like I had to go through this to get to this point and then you will be saying that 10 years down the road and be like, "Oh, I see why I made these changes so that I could get to this other stuff, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, my copy keeps changing. My message keeps shifting, you know? Like, i am we're sitting here today, and, like, what is it about? Well, whole, I know what it's about, but I can't verbalize it just right today. But I know that by the time my copy is ready, it'll be
0: changing again. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing, though, about websites. They're not <laughs> like you're etching on stone. This is not – this is not, you know. <laughs> don't have to be perfect. <laughs> right. They
1: don't. You know, like we just have to get ourselves out there and make ourselves findable
0: mm-hmm.
1: and have something of value. And mm-hmm. that's that's all they're really about.
0: Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to connect with you, what's mm-hmm. the best way for them to do that? Um,
1: to find me over at connectfulness.com because I'm still there. And even <laughs> even when my secondary site is up, it will still it'll link to me through there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And is your tribe currently open or is it a closed tribe right now?
1: Um it's the invitation list is open.
0: Okay. Um so
1: if if people go over to connectfulness.com and go under um I think it's professionals or for therapists or something like that, they can find the it's called for uh, the practice of being seen. So they can find that page and sign up if they're interested. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for sharing a bit about your story. I think there's lots of nuggets of wisdom in there for people to take and apply. And if anything, what I love is that your journey has been very creative. Oh, thanks Kelly. Yeah. And just like watching you, it's been, it's been really fun. I'm honored to, to know you. And I think you're someone to really watch out for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> in a good way <laughs> That'll come out right you know what I meant <laughs> I think I know you mean, yeah
1: <laughs> thank you so yeah. much Yeah, I right. learned so much from you and Miranda Aww. so
0: thank you for your support oh, of course so if you guys want to check out Rebecca go to Connectfulness I'll put the link down below and you can learn about Connectfulness there Lots of awesome content. Rebecca's written some – she may say it's lengthy, but it's been some really quality um, quality narratives um, that are up there. So check them out. All right, you guys, um, share the love below. Share this with someone that you know could use this. And if you have any questions for Rebecca, feel free to comment below if you're on the blog or uh, shoot her an email over at Connectfulness. Thanks, you guys. Take care.